Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts Hattie Butterworth and me Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of the musicians is lost and restricted. Having both dealt in silence with mental, physical and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. No topic will be out of bounds as we are committed to raising awareness for all varieties of struggle and hope to do so with some fantastic guests along the way. So join me, Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. Rebecca. Today we are bringing you our interview with Ellie Conster from her ensemble, well the founder of. Um, I'm sure most of you know who that is and what the ensemble is but for those of you who don't, um, her ensemble is the UK's first women and non-binary orchestra which Ellie created during the pandemic. Um, We talk about it in the interview obviously but yeah basically just a genre-defying, expectation, stereotype-busting, amazing project that she's basically done all by herself. Um, We recorded the interview way back in July, and it's taken Hattie and I all this time to get it together, because that is the reality of running a two-man show, basically. Two-woman show, I guess. Um, And yeah, sorry it's been so long, and she does talk about their first gig that they put together, which I believe actually happened last week, and we said we'd get it out before then, and I'm really sorry we didn't. I'm also really sorry about the audio quality, particularly on my side during the interview. We all know the frustrations of Wi-Fi now. Um, Yeah, I think my internet just couldn't handle a call with three people on it i know unbelievable um but yeah i hope that doesn't detract too much from the quality of your uh listening experience we hope to do some in-person interviews at some point which would be totally surreal and amazing um but yeah for now you'll just have to put up with our zoom audio quality that's not great anyway enjoy a huge, huge welcome to Ellie Conster. It's mine and Hattie's first joint interview, so we'll try and try and be easy on you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> how are you today, Ellie? I'm fine. Yeah, thanks for asking me to come on your podcast. Oh, it's so thanks fun. for coming. Yeah, it was like one of the you were like one of the people that Becca was like. Like when I said, Becca, do you want to like be co-host? She was like, can we interview her on some point? Oh. <laughs> I mean, we're both like such fans, seriously. Oh, what? Like, so it's so exciting to for both of us. Ah. I feel so special. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you are. Yeah. You are too. <laughs> so I just really, really would love for us to start just because I don't know, I feel like it must be quite difficult for you, Ellie, to like come into the sort of press well not that I'm saying that we're press or anything <laughs> but the whole yeah, thing, you done quite, yeah we are we've done quite a lot of interviews and stuff recently yeah you know different people about different things because everyone mm-hmm. is hearing about this project and they're thinking oh my god this is so cool like let's <laughs> let's hear about it but actually 
I'm really because we're such like a, a person-centered podcast I suppose like, mm. I'd love to know you could give us a bit of your background as a musician mm. and your journey to you know getting to the place you are today a little bit um yeah my journey as a musician um I started playing violin in my primary school in like um group lessons at 10 and then auditioned for Chets when I was a teenager um went to music school and then yeah went to music college and then straight from music college um did like a short-term contract with CBSO and I've been freelancing since apart from obviously the pandemic but that's like a an overview (laughs) I feel like I've been in this industry like my whole life (laughs) did you find that your progression from like music school to music college was just kind of what everyone else was doing or was it very conscious for you that's like that's what you definitely wanted to do well I was like I was doing dance before I went to music school so it was like either continue with dance or do music um and at the time I chose to do music so I went to music school um but then yeah I just yeah it felt like that's what everyone was doing that's Mm. I don't know it was just kind of a given that I would audition and also I think at music school like there's so much emphasis on the music obviously but I didn't really care about the other subjects as much I liked like art but there were only like four of us in the art class yeah because Becca went to well yeah I went to Chet's for sick form oh did you yeah but like oh cool clearly our paths haven't crossed I didn't actually know you went there what years did you go there 2014 20 to 2016 Maybe I just missed you. I I think I left in 2012. Ah, right. But I suppose it's like, just interesting, like exactly the question that Becca asked, because it's like, yeah, when you're in that environment, there's so much prep for music college auditions and all of that. And it's like all this competition of like, how much scholarship did you get? Like, you know what I mean? You just, it's so hard to think, no, I'll do something else. Or no, I am someone else. Or I want to go against this. But I mean, moving into like the pandemic or into what you're doing now, when was the point that you sort of saw actually this world that I followed along with to a certain extent, this classical world of, you know, pleasing the same people over and over again, pleasing the old conductors, mm. playing the the male pieces of music, you know, by the mm-hmm. old people. <laughs> like when, when did that start to feel uncomfortable for you or has it always felt uncomfortable? Um, to be honest, I don't think I ever questioned it until like the pandemic. I've shocked myself by like never having realized that all the music I played was by basically dead white men because um I feel completely the same as you in that actually up until the pandemic I hadn't really thought about well I I thought about it a bit but I wasn't really doing anything about the fact that I was just taking part in the classical music industry rather than trying to make my own little piece of it Mm. Um, yeah I feel I was just riding the wave and like just trying to get by even just like taking gigs because I don't know just take them for money um and I wasn't really like properly thinking about like what do I want to do and like why am I doing it is this really making me happy so before the pandemic then like Mm. um assuming that you know with music college being as it is and maybe having times of you know 
oh my god I can't stand this life or oh my god this is so hard you know how would you manage that in the past working through those times of like actually Mm. is this for me is this so much pressure you know how or did it Mm. never feel like that I feel like I didn't necessarily feel that because I wasn't thinking about it yeah Um, so I don't know if that makes sense um almost kind of like I think I was maybe like quite privileged in that sense and things didn't bother me so like didn't think about them and I just kind of like floated through it and I also really enjoyed parts of like my education and especially like my master's I really enjoyed that but I think it wasn't until like lockdown happened and you probably know like I was living with like eight other people basically and we like all shared a garden and we our flats were basically merged into one yeah my friend's who lived there um they're all pop musicians so it wasn't until like we were all stuck there that I started noticing like how different our lives are or like were despite being in the same industry so Mm. that's like when I that I think that's what triggered like oh my god why are you doing that that way why do we do this this way yeah can we talk about like that stage the pandemic happening Mm. and how did that impact your life and how did that then change what you wanted out of your musical career or musical Mm. life can you talk about that experience yeah um I think obviously like for everyone else it was a real shock like anxiety inducing time like all your work being scrapped and also like as musicians music is so much more than just a job it's like I don't know it gets confusing and like intertwined with our identity and like our purpose maybe like sometimes in an unhealthy way as well I think that made me think about what gigs do I want to do I was yeah seeing my friends like dressing in all these cool clothes I don't know there was also like they were less worried constantly (laughs) or maybe compared just compared to me like I feel like I was so worried all the time about doing everything perfectly and like making mistakes and Oh, well, yeah, it was also um, the first time I like started writing string parts like for their music. So that probably played into it, like um, suddenly not being able to rely on the notes on the page. And like it was kind of liberating and terrifying. (laughs) I know that it isn't composing in the same sense, but had you done any sort of composition before? I'm a trumpet player and, you know, Mm. it'll be like improvise this and you're like, you just freeze. Yeah. Was it a similar sort of thing of you just hadn't done any improvising or, or composing up until that point? Yeah. And I think that was a big thing as well, because I was like, well, I've not like studied this. So how can I possibly like there's no way that I can be good at it. And actually, like some of the best pop musicians I know, like they've not been to music school. They've not been to music college. Mm. Like one doesn't necessarily like equal the other all the time. We get so used to being like even subconsciously well this person's done a master's so they must be better or yeah this person like mm. even little bits of this person did a one-year master's or two-year master's mm-hmm. yeah and I feel like it like almost that uh way of thinking like stops you from even trying because you're like oh well I couldn't possibly and then you're like oh well, I'm not even going to bother trying and it's like no like if you try you might find we might find that you hate it but that really struck me about some of the interviews you've done is talking about the pandemic as being a a clean slate which meant you know there was no longer any judgment 
for not doing mm. this or not practicing enough of this type of music mm. or not doing these gigs you know it's kind of like because there was nothing yeah I mean like nothingness is like also the same as like everything <laughs> like it's terrifying yeah. it's like how many stars are there in the universe like uncountable amount and that's like terrifying but also like so cool <laughs> I want to you could yeah it's like an amazing foundation for something yeah, new it's like I don't know the same thing flipped on its head that is incredible I love that it's so inspiring to, to like hear it's so it's such a kind of cliche you know something like something creative coming out of a time of of, of adversity but actually I think I felt yeah. that same thing in the pandemic of like oh my god I feel like so much less pressure now to prove to my teacher or prove mm. to people I know that like I'm I'm doing what other musicians do because yeah. it's like no musicians are doing anything so but also like it's such a shame that like we think that way still like we have to train ourselves not to think that way because it's music isn't competitive <laughs> and if you are like doing it to be the best then I don't know I, I felt the opposite in the pandemic for me it felt like more pressure I really because oh. everybody was living through social media oh yeah and everyone was posting like practice videos or multi-track things and also I was just finishing off my master's degree and we were having like uh maybe every other day sort of warm-up classes together like playing on zoom and um teachers would be like oh send us videos of you playing stuff and Mm. we can just like send you stuff back about it and it yeah it kind of felt like there was a lot of narrative of this is your time like you you should use this time wisely Mm -hmm. and there felt like a lot of pressure to make something creative yeah um which actually then kind of quashed my creativity because I was like I have to do something and then I was just there like in a little puddle of mm-hmm. doubt on my floor and now you've emerged from the puddle and you've joined us on this quest <laughs> through well, down the patriarchy it's wonderful Becca yes Thanks. Becca <laughs> but I have to say like for the first few months I didn't do anything productive at all like Mm. I didn't Mm. I wasn't doing anything actually I felt similarly to you I was like oh my god what am I doing I was going to ask you about this actually and I don't I hope this isn't too kind of personal but you've alluded in a couple of interviews about you know this was the hardest time I've had mentally Mm. and financially Mm -hmm. um and I mean obviously it's up to you if you want to share what that looked like but I just wonder because I think there'll be a lot of people listening who found that that was the first time they felt shit like yeah I'm not doing so good I'm just wondering if you're happy to say what that was for you yeah I mean it was I think yeah same things that we've been talking about just like Mm. I was scrolling through social media like so I was so anxious it was the first time I've had like well yeah I think it was a panic attack um and yeah just the most stressed I've ever felt also I didn't financially I didn't get the um government grant so I was just yeah on universal credit I'm still on universal credit now and yeah I think it just felt like my whole world was like shattering around me like sitting with that and like being okay with that is was like a big part of it like that's okay you don't what you were saying like you don't need to be productive all the time like there's a global pandemic happening (laughs) it's okay if you just need to like sit in your room it was wasn't it the people panicking at the beginning to like prove something oh my god yeah (laughs) sourdough mums on it and like I did such a bad sourdough yeah everyone was making like these amazing 
baked goods and mine was like the heaviest disgusting thing ever I killed like six starters oh good glad to hear that <laughs> it wasn't just me didn't even make a loaf I just had all these starters stinking out the place <laughs> oh Becca <laughs> it was a bad time in many ways there's a pandemic on yeah fair <laughs> <laughs> but moving from you know this really low time which so many of us relate to yeah. you know can you talk about setting up her ensemble maybe start with I don't know what it was you were looking to do yeah. could you sp- explain that you know these feelings you suddenly found yeah. new feelings of what am I doing in this industry I don't mm-hmm. like it surrounded by pop influences and all of that you know how did this idea begin yeah. and form itself but I honestly hadn't um thought about starting anything like until the, yeah lockdown and everything um and it just felt like it happened organically or yeah obviously it came from like mm. feelings of like what the fuck like learning these new statistics then realizing that I just completely overlooked all this stuff for like over 13 years basically um so yeah probably came from like being pissed off at that <laughs> and then wanting to take the bits that I liked from what I was seeing around me like the influences from the pop industry and combining that with things that I felt passionately about in the classical industry um because I think also I don't know if you've ever felt like this like sometimes I've been in orchestra or rehearsal and been like oh like do I really want to do this and it, it's not necessarily like the music or Mm. I don't know it's like the scene or the vibe it's something and I just wanted to do it different I wanted to do it my own way and also I think if I'm being honest it um came from accepting like parts of myself that are like not perfect mm-hmm. it, it felt like it was a parallel to that like the panic attacks and yeah lots, lots of things it was definitely a time of not only discovering those things yeah but also having to sit with them Mm. in isolation yeah that was quite a double whammy wasn't it Mm. because yeah not only had it been potentially the first chance for a lot of people to really self-reflect but then you had to it's not like a day off and the next day you get to go about your Mm. your daily things but it was like months of being like I've seen these things and now I can't unsee them yeah and it's hard it's hard to work on them Mm. because we're in a pandemic and there's only so much you can do but now I've just got to sit in them and yeah that was really hard I think also like I was questioning things in like the music industry but then I was also questioning things about myself and like it sounds a bit cheesy but what is it that people say like you have to like look in to look out or something yeah (laughs) is that bullshit what is that I like it it sounds (laughs) sounds relatable to me so (laughs) I'll write that one down some bullshit like that yeah (laughs) were were you worried when you set it up at all that um because there is this huge wave of tradition that you're going against in classical music yeah that some people would be like what is this we hate this let uh, you know let men in or or (laughs) well were you worried about it and did you receive any sort of hate I haven't received like hate I don't think I've like there have been a couple of comments obviously from straight white men but (laughs) um Uh, yeah obviously I was worried I still am and I'm still like why do I care like why am I so concerned about like what men might think because I'm never worried about like what women might think I'm not concerned about like 
mm. my non-binary friends it's like I don't know and I think that question kind of like I mean it answers itself yeah <laughs> it's not I'm not doing it to please men but have you felt like up till now you have been doing things subconsciously to please men oh my god my entire life yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just would love to, for you to say now like what could you never fucking go back to you know what mentality could you never go back to in classical music what do you what really grinds with you oh I thought you meant in the world I was going to be like shaving my legs yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> I mean that's classical music as well like well, yeah yeah what could I never go back to uh I don't want to ever like suppress my self-expression mm-hmm. like in how I present basically I think that was like a big thing because I was yeah I was questioning why we had to wear the things that we do in the orchestra or just like even going into rehearsal like to like depends what the rehearsal was but I'd then pick my outfit accordingly to, like so it was appropriate and stuff like that and I was like why mm-hmm. like I'm gonna be myself like wherever I am and I think I mean, I think that helps the music. Like, you don't change yourself, like, for different people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what you think. <laughs> no, don't, like, I, I've definitely had it where I've only had, like, one proper pro thing. And the amount of time I spent worrying about what I was going to wear to the mm-hmm. first rehearsal in comparison to what how much time I'd spent practising the part mm-hmm. was, like, it's pretty much the same. Like, yeah. <laughs> or, like, how I was going to, like, present myself or how how I was going to like be socially so that people didn't think I was this. Yeah. I think it's just like, I need to like keep reminding myself every day. Like I don't live to please other people, but it's harder. It's easier said than done, isn't it? Completely. Especially in music where a lot of it is about, supposedly is about who you know, blah, blah, blah. And that has been quite a, I guess, a toxic breeding ground for Mm. uh power play and sort of needing to please people because it's like well what if mm. I don't get booked blah, blah blah and it's yeah I think actually that's what um helped though because I was like there was no what if I don't get booked I'm already mm. not booked because there is no work so I'm gonna book <laughs> so... myself and I'm just gonna take women with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's brilliant I I would love for you to talk about like what you're wanting this ensemble to do or to be what do you want it to do I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, what do you want it to show? What are you, you know, you're talking about these things that you could never go back to. What is the future with this kind of way of seeing music? Oh, God, loads of things. I think just, yeah, you can be yourself and you can still be accepted in this industry. You don't have to change yourself to play classical music. And also, obviously, I want to learn more and play more music written by women because I just had no idea the quantity of music that was out there that I'd just never been um, introduced to. So yeah, I just want to show that to the world and I want to do it in a fresh way that like makes everyone feel that they're accepted in it and they can enjoy it. Do you feel like it's as important to play? Because uh, again, yeah, there's been all this music by dead mm. white men, but it's also mostly been old white men playing it. Mm. Um, do you think there's a market for women and non-binary people showing their interpretation of men's music alongside playing women's music Mm. yeah I mean of course like there's way more like women musicians now but it's still the instruments seem quite Mm. quite gendered still um but um I just think there's there's so much music still to discover so until like 
we have a real gender balance I feel like there's a need to focus just on the music written by women because mm. I think if there wasn't a need like wouldn't be doing it <laughs> um, but yeah of course I do I think there's like a need for everything but it's just this that's what I want to focus on with this group specifically but then I do like work with other ensembles and stuff it's not that I'm saying we should never play that music again and men are horrible it's just <laughs> we already we already know that there's like amazing music written by men are you still planning to do your work with so sorry where are you at with like orchestral work general orchestral work you know I think I read you were in the CBSO is that still I was just I did like a short-term contract with them oh, okay um so I'm not working for them as sometimes I freelance with them okay um I freelance with like yeah different orchestras I'm supposed to be on trial with BBC but like obviously I don't know what's happening oh <laughs> but do you think you could go could you go back to like a full-time orchestral position do you think that's something you'd want still or is that oh god is this gonna like be a detriment to my trial oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um I think I just want to like have a balance of things mm. like I want if I were to take a position in an orchestra I would want to make sure that I was doing my own thing still and that includes like playing for my um like singer songwriter friends and like doing playing different styles of music and yeah obviously her ensemble um I basically just don't want to end up doing one thing I think like that's what I was worried about as well before the pandemic like I wasn't 100% satisfied and it was like because I couldn't find the, the specific thing that I wanted to do and actually I don't think there is a specific thing that I want to do and I think like because mm. we're so like everything is set up for us through like music school and music college like there's it's like this very narrow path that you have to follow but actually like there are way more options out there than I think people realize but I think because we're just kind of conditioned to see things through like classical goggles and like taking a step back and seeing it from like a pop musician's perspective and they're like oh why are you like why are you wearing that like that's so weird that you do that and you're like oh actually it is a bit weird isn't it <laughs> what have been what's your pop musician's friends like response to this project are they feeling like yeah come join <laughs> or like you know I just interested are they feeling more like oh I, I could go to that gig you know I could I could sit and watch that or are they still feeling like oh it's still classical music I mean they're like so supportive I think they think it's sick and yeah they would definitely come oh. um but I think the setup around something actually plays such a massive role in like or even just like the followers that we have are mostly in their like teenagers 20s or like early 30s and I think that like says a lot it's not because people aren't going to like the music mm. it's just the way that you present it is actually really important like branding is important I buy stuff on Instagram all the time because I'm like oh targeted advert <laughs> I know like I, I hate the fact that I do it but I would do it as well it's too good it's too like yeah and also like there's a thing that I want to steer away from that like classical music is only for like the educated and mm. like upper class and a lot of people don't feel they fit into the classical world because of that and actually the music is for everyone but it's just not made to seem like approachable or like they would fit into that scene or you don't see people that look like yourself in that crowd. I guess that sort of ties into 
your own journey of playing other styles of music as well mm. but I mean classical music particularly sort of guarded with a moat and mm. a drawbridge but um I guess I don't know it seems like you exploring other styles of music and becoming more comfortable is sort of directly parallel to your initiative to try and get classical music to yeah more accessible and less sort of oh you're not educated so you can't come to this yeah I really feel that and I I want to like show that you don't have to fit in or like yeah you don't need to like mold yourself to some certain way to like yeah fit into the scene my flatmate yesterday was saying he's so funny he's like this wise polish man and um (laughs) he was saying you know as soon as you can get anybody to see anything as like rebellious then you'll get them to come along so he was saying like when when I was like I can't remember what age he was but like young he was like when I realized that listening to classical music was like not the cool thing or like all my friends were listening to like heavy metal so I was like I'm gonna go see classical music um and then ever since then he's been like yeah that's what we need to do with classical music like show the more rebellious side (laughs) as much as it was kind of like a jokey conversation he was kind of right as well like yeah that aspect of turning away from the norm like as soon as you settle into a norm of something I think it kind of becomes boring or yeah or there is this element of Mm. you're not allowed to come in here because you're not and you haven't Mm. been part of the norms yeah and I think like obviously as humans we want to like fit in and be liked and that affects everything but your individual self is like where your power is (laughs) like that's what's interesting about you so don't yeah. like there's no point trying to be like anyone else anyway because like you're not going to do a very good job I'd really like to hear about your kind of passion or angle <laughs> of, of it which I think is so important and so inspiring to me and that is to be inclusive throughout you know basically it Hang on, what I'm trying to say <laughs> being inclusive, <laughs> removing a sort of gender binary mm. basically to the orchestra and the people that you want involved. And I just would love to hear, you know, does this come in under representation in classical music? You know, why mm. did you want this to be something for women and non-binary people? You know, why did you not want to just call it an ensemble for women? Yeah. You know? Well, I think because there isn't that representation for non-binary people. And some people consider themselves like a non-binary and also relate to like womanhood as well like it's very there's not like one way to be non-binary um so I felt like I couldn't just label it like only female but I felt like the name in itself was like punchy enough to like capture your attention like as a brand and also yeah obviously like concert clothes are still mostly gendered and I just felt like I wouldn't know if I fit in if I was non-binary. So, like, I don't know, seeing the dress code and being like, men wear this, women wear this, and you're like, "Uh, me? What do I do? There's so (laughs) many instances of that, though. Like, throughout my life now, and I'm seeing it from a kind of less gendered angle, or trying to at least, and I'm just realising how many barriers non-binary people and even trans people overcome every day Mm. you know it really it really like warms my heart to feel that you made such a place for it in classical music yeah where like to be literally anything remotely different is incredibly hard Mm. I thought about like the name because then I was like should it be like their ensemble that didn't really like Mm. 
pack a punch as much but also like I guess the focus is mostly on like these female composers who haven't been given the space that they deserve Mm. so Mm. did you find that you already knew all of the non-binary people that they're in the ensemble or did I seek them out (laughs) (laughs) I will find you yeah um um, I can imagine in classical music like it's kind of like with mental health like as soon as you start talking about mental health people sort of come out the woodwork and they say it's like a sigh of relief yeah do do you find that people came to you being like oh actually I haven't told anyone before but I am non-binary or were they all sort of openly Mm. non-binary people that um I think fortunately I knew most of them but um I mean there's not that many people in the group but it's also like freelance so and also from Instagram you can see people's pronouns so oh yeah yeah actually that was the thing though because I'm trying to make sure that every project is has like a real mix of different women non-binary people um obviously that's tricky Mm. to get like a balance for every single thing but yeah I think it's really important have you come across any non-binary historic composers Mm. historic no like current composers or like singer-songwriters yeah but I guess it's just because it wasn't really yeah allowed to be a thing was it so I'm sure there were but I don't know yeah I'm sure in their personal letters they'd be like, I'm feeling this thing and I don't know what to call it yeah probably I get that vibe from Ethel Smythe actually yeah oh yeah Ethel Smythe feels very like gender neutral I love her (laughs) I've read quite a lot of her stuff and I'm just like oh my gosh girl you're so cool yeah absolute icon she was like just unafraid of being absolute nightmare Mm -hmm. (laughs) she was such a nightmare I love it (laughs) yeah well I think it helps as well like being queer because then you're like obviously not trying to please men so it's like Mm. fuck that Mm. hopefully <laughs> we do our best <laughs> well I was just gonna ask about like what what are the next like do you have anything in the diary for her on yeah good question what if people wanted to come off the back of this podcast come and listen to you guys or or how would they get involved or donate or I'll donate whatever. maybe I should like do it <laughs> um 10% off a concert mostly yeah 10% off um <laughs> mostly on like, Instagram is where all the recordings are and everything, or all our posts. Um, we do have a gig coming up, but the date keeps being postponed. It's oh, no. it was supposed to be in March, and then it was June, July, and now hopefully September is the new date. I'm like, oh, just want to announce it and tell everyone to come. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be like our favourite pieces from the past 2,000 years by obviously by female composers not a big time span then no not big <laughs> just, just a little one it's because you got to get Hildegard of Bingen in there somewhere don't you? yeah <laughs> I know what you're doing it's all exactly right. you've got to start from the beginning <laughs> I'd really like to know how do people like what's your audition process do you have an audition process how's it work at the moment like if someone's really keen or is you know mm-hmm. a musician that loves this idea and wants to try out for it is that something yeah. people can do at the moment or how have you found how have you sourced people for this project well at the beginning I just asked my friends like yeah 
it's just like do you think this is a good idea I mean we don't have like any money so I feel like I want to involve more people but um I mean you were asking about finances before I've just been applying for funding like project by project basically which is quite tiresome so just applying to funding bodies mostly like arts council yeah I've only done one funding thing recently and that was for I was working in a school for the past year and I had to apply for funding to hire some music uh it was female composers actually but it was like this really complicated process and they wanted to know like how many people will be at your concert and it was like we don't even know when like yeah. what the concert's gonna yeah. be and like all this stuff know, and, like which movements you're gonna play it's like we don't have the music yet this is why we're applying yeah. like what will the impact be of the concert yeah how do you measure that it's a full-time job like applying for fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so if someone was like I just kind of want to get people to get a vibe of what they would expect for a her ensemble concert mm. you know what what do your concerts look like you know do you have a structure in particular do you have a set seating arrangement or how do you work kind of as a group in a concert setting I mean this will basically be our first one so I'm sure it will change like over time but at the minute I have it in my head that I want everyone to rotate including whoever's leading like I think we should each take a piece or like a couple of pieces and I'm really keen for people to like bring drinks in and like mm. clap if they feel like clapping, like get rid of those traditions. And I'm keen to like use like mood lighting just because it's cool and I think it <laughs> enhances things. Yeah, so that's like again just taking the stuff that I've seen from like jazz, pop gigs, yeah. and combining. My dad, like he is not a musician I mean he did just start learning piano mm-hmm. but um he's so cute and every time he comes to a concert he's like just wish I could have read my book through it yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> fair enough like I know yeah. he has so many ideas about what concerts should be and I'm like you should start up your own ensemble dad he should tell him to <laughs> reading ensemble oh that's so fun that's why I like the the gallery at the proms because you can kind of do that there you know the gallery at the proms is like where I found my people I swear because yeah people just don't give a fuck you can walk around you can lie down you can fall asleep you can read a book you know there's not like one way to enjoy something yeah like. it's so weird that there's there's like this one place at this one venue <laughs> <laughs> where I could be myself Aww. <laughs> so true though and you're not even allowed picnics up there anymore can you believe it oh, no. really no I worked there a couple of years ago and they were like if someone brings a picnic you have to tell them to go to the bar and buy food <laughs> no oh, okay I'm never going to the prom never again go, no um, <laughs> what was my next question oh yeah what's your big vision for the future you know if you could do anything with this ensemble where would you take it what do you want to do where do you want to play what are your ideal venues all the questions um I think finding a venue that um yeah getting it out of like classical concert halls is difficult because Mm. it's like where so still working on that yeah maybe smaller more intimate venues and I want to do like a concert series of like mm. big symphonies by women because I think there's also this like preconception that women have only written like small bits but then at the same time I also quite like posting short snippets or like having it like three to four minutes long so that it's like more digestible like more mm. like if you went to a gig and then you saw some songs so yeah maybe just a mix of both maybe that's the thing <laughs> a mix of everything 
but yeah again it's just like a funding thing isn't it because I'd love to make it into a bigger orchestra thing as well like to have it that size in like free form and do some smaller chamber stuff but it's always just like where do we have where are we going to get the money from there's a plan so far in advance mm. but yeah so is at all something you're looking into at all I mean not at the minute but mm. at the minute I'm just trying to like get this gig done yeah to be fair it's like it's not very fair for me to be like what you've been doing because it's like it's literally barely started again (laughs) no well yeah we started in November and I feel like since then it's already changed so much Mm. and I think actually like I just keep trying to tell myself that um again being worried about making mistakes and I am gonna and it's fine Mm, and you just learn from them and it's not the end of the world but yeah I don't know it might maybe in like a year's time it will look totally different and I'll be like that's so cool though to think I of. don't know <laughs> that's the thing you just don't know at the moment do you yeah we'll see but do you have is it like just you behind kind of the admin side or have you t- have you got yeah someone bless you it's basically just me <laughs> well um we talk about stuff like I talk about stuff a lot with my friends and mm. um people yeah who play in the ensemble like we chat about if I have a question like oh what do you think about this like we'll talk about it together but um I feel bad asking people to do things for free like there's a certain amount and I get that in the first year like it's going to be like that you're not just going to have everything set up like magically but there's like a limit isn't there to well to what I feel comfortable asking (laughs) you'd be surprised the number of people that will do stuff Mm, just because they feel passionate about it yeah like Hattie's never paid me (laughs) (laughs) paychecks coming tomorrow actually (laughs) but no it is especially in a freelance career where you are more flexible with your hours and and because your freelance career is based in something that Mm -hmm. a lot of people are not comfortable about especially yeah having realized that over the past year well now like a lot of the social media stuff like we started doing TikToks and like reels and stuff and obviously we're like we're doing them together so that's like very much a group thing it's not like maybe that'll be like your money maker with TikTok (laughs) I hope so (laughs) it's so funny though because like I feel like I've been talking about this stuff on um people were asking me written questions and I was writing about it and it wasn't like anything new but then like we uploaded one TikTok and it got like a quarter of a million views and I was like Mm. that's like mad that a 10 second video can have more impact than an article but I guess it's the era that we live in now people want little bits don't they people don't have the like get to the point quick yeah literally that's why like, I struggle with reading a book even sometimes because I'm like yeah. you know I can just go on Twitter and that'll be my yeah like, quick fix you know? but it's amazing that it has has an impact at all like through that yeah because that's the audience that need to know actually this is how we've been living as classical musicians you know we've been living like the one you did about what you wear for orchestra oh yeah you know why have we been living like this where we literally have been told don't you know you must cover your shoulders you can't have this you can't have a low-cut top blah 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 and I've always listened to that and been like yes fair enough I know but then I was like and then people being like yeah all black because you know like if you have something a bit something like it doesn't look good on stage and I'm thinking like have you seen like Dua Lipa Mm. like are you living in a hole yeah (laughs) like what is that that is literally bullshit yeah (laughs) and then also I think I was like um 
yeah self-conscious about like looking too confident or like I think I got Mm. confident or um what's the other word arrogant I think I got them like confused in my head and actually like loving yourself and like feeling confident in yourself is not the same thing and I don't know I think a lot of women are labeled as arrogant even by other women Mm. when actually they're just confident and actually the even the definition of arrogant I think is quite blurred yeah um just because of sexism yeah 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 totally well yeah women have been taught that like there's a way to be a good submissive woman and polite yeah and it's the same in music like that's that's how we've been trained to be and it's like don't be difficult don't question anything yeah like conductors want to introduce this kind of meek little kind sort of you know pretty little whatever to a client or you know what I mean It, it always feels like you have to sell yourself in a in a way that men just wouldn't have to do that ever yeah sell yourself to appeal to men or to appease men but I don't know some of us aren't trying to appease men. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Anything else to say, Becca? I feel like I'm always going to just yeah. put it back to you. I'm good. I'm just like so happy and I just want to go and listen to women's music and Aww. listen to you guys. And um, yeah, I'm just so happy that we've been able to talk to you. Like I said, um, it's been so nice to chat with you as well. How can people keep in touch with you on the social media and the social media <laughs> on, on social Grandma. media and you know uh on instagram it's at her ensemble music um yeah i think it's just at her ensemble on twitter and the same on facebook and the same on tiktok yeah follow us on tiktok <laughs> absolutely yeah follow them on tiktok it's sick. oh my gosh well Ellie, thank you so much. And um, we're so excited to see what happens. Thank you. And I just know it's going to like take over the world. And it just, oh, what? Honestly, <laughs> what, it just warms my heart. Like it gives me shivers to think that like a project like this exists finally. Oh, you know? oh I'm just so grateful. Thank for you, you so you. much. Oh, you're so good. Good luck with everything. You too.